Good evening, church. Welcome again. It's another Sunday night teaching time. We're closing up the series pretty soon, Renewed in the Spirit of Your Mind, Knowing How the Life of God Gets Inside. And the topic tonight is Why Bright, Intelligent People Still Need Renewed Minds. Why Bright, Intelligent People Still Need Renewed Minds. Still looking at Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Remember the title, Why Bright, Intelligent People Still Need Renewed Minds. A bright, intelligent person can take the book, see the instructions, and try to carry them out. It just takes a certain intellect, the ability to have a Bible in the correct language, see what the sentences and the paragraphs say, do what it says. Paul's not talking about that when he talks about the renewed mind. He's talking about the goal is in that last sentence. Renewing the mind so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, and then this explanation, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So Paul doesn't describe knowing the will of God the way we think of knowing the will of God usually. Which university should I go to, God? This one or that one? There are two career options, God. Should I choose A or should I choose B? We have the opportunity to move. Should it be Calgary or should it be Newfoundland? How am I going to sort these out? God, what's your will? That's how we think of knowing God's will. And there's a lot of scripture that deals with it, but that's not what this text is about. This is a text about, it's not IQ, figuring out the instructions. It's not that. It's fixing value to the will of God. It's treasuring the ways of God. You can have a million ideas, but you can only have one treasure. This is what this text is about. Your mind is unconformed to the world because it treasures a lot of things. You're not out just for a factual knowledge of God's will. The renewed mind prizes God's will above everything else. That's what we're going to be studying tonight. Point number one. You cannot disentangle your life from this world with external change only. And I hope you can see the way that last part of this verse 2 really explains the first part. Here's the whole verse, second verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, do not be conformed to this world, 2A. There's, there's the instruction. There's the goal. That's the command. Don't be conformed to this world. Then there's the means to doing it. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So you can't really unconform your life to this world just by making external changes. There certainly will be, must be external changes That's why Paul says, I appeal to you, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies. It's, it's, a, it's a physical, visible, outward change. There has to be outward change. Your eyes and what they see, your ears and what they listen to, the mouth, the things it says, all of these must be used only for God's glory. So yes, there's no argument from me that life must be externally unconformed to this world. But Paul's point is, the change doesn't begin externally. It begins internally, the renewing of the mind, prizing, valuing God's will above all before any external change takes place. And, and Jesus said the same thing, Matthew 23, 26. You blind Pharisee, as religious as anybody could be, more rules than anybody else. You blind Pharisee. Jesus is saying, your approach is not going to work. First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be clean. If you start with the outside rather than the inside, in terms of your life, you'll never make the kind of permanent changes you want to make in your spiritual condition. You'll fall back into the same sins under different circumstances or different sins. You'll just exchange one kind of bondage for another. And that's because external changes never transform the mind into prizing the will of God. They never make you treasure Jesus. God wants to start the changes in my life by renewing the mind, the affections. Point number two, the inward renewal of the mind, the inward renewal the mind requires is spiritual in nature and cannot be achieved nor sustained through just the acquisition of knowledge. Knowledge is important. I'm not bypassing that at all. But that in itself is inadequate. So so the renewal of the mind that Paul is describing, it's something deeper than just knowing. It's correct valuing. The, The Bible gives this hint about the renewed mind when it says we should, Psalm 34, 8, we should taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, you can know something will be good for you by reading up on it, studying its nutrient content and fat content, but that tells you nothing about the taste. Paul says the renewed mind knows the, knows the flavor of the will of God. It's, it's sweet, it's good, it's delightful. There's an interesting passage where Paul says the same thing. It's in Ephesians 4.23. He says, And it's where I got the title for this whole series. Be renewed in the spirit, small s, not the Holy Spirit. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And I'm fascinated with the way Paul uses that word spirit. Renewed in the spirit of your minds. It's, it's, he's saying it's, it's, it's not just your brain. Your brain is involved, but there's this feel, there's this taste, there's this essence to the things of God. Be renewed in the spirit, not just the intellect. Spiritual truths truly are logical, reasonable, studyable, and they ought to be studied. But they can't be fully known just by logic and reason. 
Paul says we're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. So there's a affectionate knowing. Maybe I can make it clearer this way. Think about two people. Here are two men. Let's, let's say men. One falls into sexual immorality. The other, though facing the same temptation, remains faithful to his wife. Okay? This guy falls into immorality, commits adultery on his wife. This guy, same temptation, faithful to his wife through and through. Now, here's my question. What's the difference between those two men? Oh, Pastor Don, that's easy. One's a good Christian, the other one not. It's, it's kind of a correct answer, but it doesn't go deep enough. Why does this guy see the danger in the temptation that this guy doesn't see? It can't be IQ. They're both brilliant. Let's say they're both brilliant people. That's not where the difference is found. They probably both knew it was sin. They both go to church. What's the difference? Well, here's the difference. It's found in a renewed mind. The faithful man, in the face of the same temptation, remains faithful because he's found, he's found a delight in his marriage that protected him in a way that this guy over here, his willpower alone, wouldn't protect him. It's the renewed mind. Point number three. Without a renewed mind, persistence in holiness will be tedious and boring. Look again at our text. I hope you don't get tired of reading it because there's fresh stuff still in here. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's not just obedience. It's, it's beyond that now. It's worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we read verses like that, every one of us needs to stop and ask some questions. Do you walk with Jesus because of the religion of your parents and the way you were raised? Do you walk with Jesus because you want to go to heaven when you die? It's not a bad reason, but it's incomplete. Do you walk with Jesus because it's what your network of friends at the church expects of you? Those are all okay answers, but they're all small answers. Do you walk with Jesus because you've become convinced that the will of God is the most perfect life you could ever possibly possess? Bingo. People can go to church without really loving and prizing Jesus and his will. And maybe the reason they don't treasure God's will the way they should is they see the law of God out there in the distance somewhere, maybe in their Bibles 
or described in sermons. They see the will of God as something that's demanding, hard. Maybe they ought to do it. More than anything else, though, it just looks really restrictive. Restrictive to their personal freedom. Restrictive to what they view as their own fulfillment. And without ever turning away from God out loud, without ever denying the faith, they're not deconstructing here, but in their minds, they kind of form a harsh opinion about God's will. Lots of Christians do that. Every day of the week, bright, intelligent people, people who have grown up in church, people who can quote Bible verses, people who sing all the worship choruses, they form wrong opinions about what the will of God is. And even if they nod in dutiful approval, they don't embrace it. They don't prize it. They view the will of God as subtracting, taking away from what they perceive their joy ought to be. It's very, very common. Here's a lifelong lesson. You keep learning it every day about the will of God. The call to holiness, if we could only see it, the call to holiness is always the call to good news, not bad news. It's always a call away from the smaller life to the larger life. God is always bigger and better than anything sin deceitfully offers. In other words, I've said it before, the will of God for your life is what you would always choose if you had all the facts. Now, if you accept the opinion of the world or your carnal friends about holiness and you're going to miss finding out the pleasures of sin, it's the fundamental lie that you have to fight. This is the fundamental self-destruction of living for the acceptance and approval and applause of others rather than valuing God's will. The New Testament says there is a mind that refuses to walk in the will of God. I was looking at this. It's in Ephesians 4.18. Look this verse up. Ephesians 4.18. These are people outside of Christ. They are darkened in their understanding. They're not seeing it right. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. The ignorance isn't IQ ignorance. It's value ignorance. So that's the mind outside of Christ. Then the Bible talks about the mind that's kind of in the process of training to develop a taste for the ways of God. These are, these are my life verses. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And then there's a picture of the mind that has experience the radical reorientation of values and desires around the sweetness of God's word. I see that in Psalm 19, verses 8 through 10. Look what he says. The precepts of the Lord are right. Okay, we get that. They'd have to be if they're from God. But rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, right? Enlightening the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So there's the assessment. Now here's the value he places on them. 10, more to be desired are they than gold. Here's what I've discovered. All those laws, precepts, testimonies, statutes that everybody thinks might be boring, restrictive, taking away personal freedom. The psalmist says, here's what I discovered. They're gold. They're gold. Sweeter also than honey. Drippings of the honeycomb. I believe God wants to increasingly renew our minds in that direction because, because God knows my life is never going to be transformed simply by knowing God's will factually. His will will only affect my life when I treasure God's will. How does that happen? How does that happen? Is it, is it truth alone that can remove the natural hardness of my heart? Truth is very important. This church spends hours learning the truth of God's word. But if I read my Bible correctly, there's, there's another call than the call just to learn the truth. It, it kind of bubbles up over and over again. Let me share it with you in a few places. So there's the truth, knowing the truth, but, but there's another phase Psalm 119, I'm going to pull out uh, 18, 25, and 27. I'll just read them all together. Psalm 119, open my eyes. There it is. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. 25, my soul clings to dust. Give me life, not just truth, life according to your word. 27, Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Here's what I'm saying. Learn the truth by all means and then pray for fresh eyes. Pray for new tastes. Pray that your mind be so renewed around the values of Christ that the will of God becomes just the default position of 95% of your life where decisions are made where you don't get to spend much time rationally processing everything. Delighting in God is the greatest protection for all the rest of your life. Four. Almost done. There is no possibility. Here's a, here's a different issue. There is no possibility for God to be truly glorified until we, his people, follow him with renewed minds that delight supremely in his good and perfect will. So now we can start to put all these things together. Paul's ultimate goal. Our minds must be radically renewed because it's not enough just to know God's will. We're to treasure it as perfect. Paul says when people truly treasure God this way, they become Authentic worshipers, deep worshipers. And then when people see Christians with these renewed minds worshiping God in daily life, here's what they're going to see. They're going to see, they're going to see those Christians making joyful sacrifices for his kingdom. I think you can see this is exactly what Paul says. Look at it again at Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, what do we sacrifice? We don't butcher sheep or goats anymore. We don't, we don't, you know, cut off our own hands and feet to offer atonement for our sins. What is it that we sacrifice? Paul tells us. Galatians 6.14 But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So, so as the mind is renewed by the Spirit of God, a whole new way of valuing God develops. And, it, and it, it, it puts to death, this is what we mean when we talk about dying to self. We don't mean killing yourself. When you, when you value and prize and treasure God, it, it puts to death the things that I used to value in this world and the things that the world around me still counts as precious. And so here's what the world's going to see. The world will see me gladly renouncing, gladly denying what it treasures for the greater joy of Christ. And there's no such thing as a valid Christian witness without this. This world this world is never going to be reached by Christians who just look at the world and say, I don't do those things. They're against my religion. Boy, there's an attractive witness. That's fraud in the kingdom of God. All it says to the world is my religion cramps my style, but I just, you know, I'm supposed to do it. I kind of live with it. How different it would all be to the world if my response was, well, no, I just... I'm sorry, but I, I used to be able to live on that stuff. It's too small. I have greater treasures. You know nothing about them. But everything you're treasuring is, is so empty and void. I have found something that delights my heart in a way nothing in this world can. Now that is a witness that glorifies God. This world's not going to be reached by our doctrinal statements. They're very important, but the world isn't going to be reached by them. The world is never going to be reached by hard, grudging obedience with a long face. Your whole life is merely the outward glow of what you truly treasure. And God wants to renew your mind to just shine the greatness and the joy you have found in him. How, how will this world be loved by the church? Everybody says the church should just be loving to outsiders, loving to the world. Is everybody welcome in your church, Pastor Don? How do we show love to the world? That's a really basic question. How is the church to show love to the world? It's a revealing question. Will, will we show we love them by becoming just more like them? So that way we'll, we'll kind of tinker with things and look a little more hip and a little more relevant. Is that how we're going to do it? If we do, if we do that, we're failing the world at its deepest point of need. If we do that, we're being unloving and uncaring. How will the world see it's embracing a lie? How will the world be exposed to the deeper joys 
than they think they could ever find? How will they sense the emptiness of life apart from the cross of Christ? How will they learn that entertainment and money and sports and fashion cannot fill up their empty hearts? Well, I'll tell you, they need to hear the truth of the gospel for sure, and they need to see that it's treasurable, that we prize it more than anything else, that their world will be empty until they find Jesus and see the joy that we have in him. That's the goal of a renewed mind. It treasures Christ, doesn't just know about Christ, and it glorifies God by helping the world to see the truth in a way that's attractive and draws them in without compromising biblical truth. A little bit more on this next week. Oh, and this uh, Good Friday. Don't miss our one-hour Good Friday service, 10 o'clock. Love to have you here joining us right here live and in person. And of course, Easter Sunday coming too. God bless the church. Thanks for studying with us. Love one another. Stay true to God's word.